It's good to be back with you again. We're going to deal this morning with the last of my series of attitudes and actions of a Christian, and we're going to talk about the problem of loneliness, the problem of loneliness. But before we get into that, according to Drew Hoy, about 70 folks a week meet with us to worship through live video streaming or playback on the web, and that's not an insignificant outreach. And uh, we welcome those of you today who are joining us through one of those resources. We're glad that you have taken time to worship with us. And we hope you come face to face with the Lord during this time and that you make worshiping here a regular part of your a regular part of your life. 70 folks a week, I think that's, that's a good thing. The problem of loneliness. Sometimes you're just all alone and there's nothing you can do about that. It doesn't seem like. When Paul Harvey was alive and telling his wonderful stories, one of the stories he told was about a fellow that took his baby and put the baby in the car seat, strapped her in, and set the car seat on top of the car, did something else, then got in his car and drove off. He drove through the residential area, then he went out on the highway, sped up to 60 or 65 miles an hour, out on the freeway, took the on-ramp, going that speed, and the car with the baby seat still sitting on top of the car, and then the baby seat slipped off and hit the freeway in front of another car and skidded along on the freeway in front of the other car. The driver of the car behind the car seat saw what was happening and thought it was a doll that was in the car seat until he saw the baby's mouth start moving as it started to cry. And so he was able to stop and the baby was rescued totally unhurt. It was a good thing that the, you know, the father was humiliated, but put yourself in the place of the baby. Imagine how alone that baby felt going through that whole experience. My goodness, talk about being alone. Well, that's what we're going to talk about for a while here this morning. For the next half hour or so, let's take a look at the problem of loneliness. We'll talk about what causes it, whether Jesus can really relate with all the adoration that was around Jesus Christ himself, can he really relate to our loneliness? And then we'll talk about what to do about loneliness in our lives. Our text is Matthew 27, verse 46. Matthew 27, 46. This is that occasion where Jesus Christ was hanging on the cross he was hanging there and he cried out with a loud voice. It said at about the twelfth, about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice. He said, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, 
my God, why have you forsaken me? Did God know loneliness? Did Jesus know loneliness, I mean? Oh, yeah. Jesus knew loneliness. Did you ever have periods of extreme loneliness in your life when you feel forsaken or completely alone? The holiday season tends to exacerbate that feeling for a lot of folks. And so that's one of the reasons that I've chosen to deal with it today. Having people around who care about us is a basic human need. I was serving a church. I was on the staff of the church in Odessa, Texas back quite a number of years ago. And we had a cabin. My family had a cabin uh, near Cloudcroft. If you went from Alamogordo up the mountain and you drove through Cloudcroft and then you drove for about another six or eight miles, you find a place called 16 Springs Canyon Road. And you could turn left on 16 Springs Canyon Road and go about a half mile and then left again and you get up to our cabin up there. It was all alone up in the beautiful pines and so on. And I was just, I'd had it for a while in Odessa and, and the, the pressures of the ministry and, and other stuff that was going on, I just needed a break. And so I talked to my wife and kids and said, can I just go away for a week and spend a week up at the cabin? And I, I, my wife said, you betcha you can. <laughs> and so... And so I drove up to the cabin and I just was looking so forward to being able to spend that wonderful time alone, just me and the Lord, just enjoying the, I mean, if you've been to Odessa, you understand why I wanted to be in the trees. <laughs> and so I got there that evening and built a fire in the fireplace of the cabin and enjoyed just being alone, talk to the Lord. The next morning I got up and I walked around. There was a favorite trail I had that went on up to the top of the hill and, and I walked around that and I just talked to the Lord and spent time with him and came back and sat down in the cabin and read my Bible some. And By the time that evening got, got, came around, I wanted to see some people. <laughs> and so... I decided I'd drive down to Alamogorda to a restaurant. So I just, you know, I didn't know anybody, but I just wanted live folks around me. So I drove down to Alamogorda and went to a, a restaurant, got me something to eat, and just listened to people talk back and forth with each other. And then I drove up to the cabin. And, and as the scripture says, early the morning of the third day, I got up and I drove back to Odessa. <laughs> it didn't take a week. I was alone. We need people around us. Being lonely is not one of those things that most of us enjoy very much. It can get old in a hurry. What causes loneliness? As you've heard so many times, to solve a problem, we must first identify what that problem is. And so I've come up with a list of about 10 things that I think cause loneliness, and you could probably add your own. And I'm just going to mention these particular items, though, as, uh, 
as a list of things that I feel like caused loneliness. When we feel misunderstood by family members or the circle of people whose acceptance is important to us, that makes us feel lonely. We feel misunderstood. When I, when I first got back from, from Vietnam, I, it hadn't been three weeks ago that I was in, in combat. And I've talked to some of y'all that have, that have been through some of these similar experiences. And, and uh, I was talking to one of my old high school buddies in Roswell. And I said, and I was trying to kind of explain. I said, man, this is, you, should, you should have been there. This was really, and I kind of explained something that I'd been through. And he said, uh, man, that must have been rough. Hey, you want to get a, go get a cup of coffee? There's no way that you could understand unless you were really there, you know. But just misunderstood. It's just, it, that kind of gives you a sense of being alone. Just being lonely because you're people that are important to you, people that you care about, misunderstand you. That's one. Number two, because of mistreatment by others. This can be a constant problem because there's almost always someone who will mistreat us. Whether it's a boss, whether it is a co-worker who's jealous or just likes to put people down, whether it's a family member or even a friend that mistreats us, especially if we're one of those people who is looking to be mistreated. If you got a chip on your shoulder and you're looking for somebody to mistreat you and you read mistreatment when it may not even be there, are you one of those? Well, that'll make you feel all alone sometimes. So whether it's mistreatment, whether the mistreatment is real or, or perceived, that'll make you feel lonely. Number three, frustration in our work. I can't seem to get ahead. I'm at a dead-end job, and, and no one seems to, seems to care. Frustration in our work or in relationships that are important to us. I care about that person, but that person doesn't seem to care as much about me. That'll make you feel lonely, make you feel alone. Weariness of mind and body. Those times when we're physically and emotionally drained because of the stresses of life, when you're just worn out, that can make you feel lonely. We feel absolutely alone and no one cares. Physical or emotional suffering. Pain can be so intense that we just know nobody could possibly understand how much I'm hurting physically or emotionally. That can make us feel all alone. We're so, we're in so much pain. Nobody could possibly know. It can lose, that could include the loss of a family member or somebody else that we care about. All oh, the pain that we go through at those times. We feel so alone when that's happening. Positions of leadership. You've heard the expression, it's lonely at the top. Sometimes that seems to be the case. You're all alone up there. 
You got to make the hard decisions and you're the stucky if everything doesn't go exactly right. Positions of leadership. Number seven, a negative or critical attitude toward ourselves. You're beating up on yourself. That'll make you feel alone. There is one of the, this is one of the critical causes or major causes of loneliness. Many of us develop a self-critical attitude early in life and never get past it. What was one of the first words that you learned as a small child? No. Is that right? No. You reach for something. No. You say something. No. You go in somewhere. No. No, no, no. You learn no. And so you grow up thinking, I'm a no kind of person. I'm not supposed to do stuff. We need to balance, and you teach your kids the same way. We need to balance the no's with some yeses in life so that our kids don't grow up thinking everything is negative. But we tend to be more on the negative side, and that makes us feel like we are by ourselves in being someone who is not a very positive person. So we need to understand our need to forgive ourselves and become more of a positive person toward ourselves. Number eight, known, unconfessed, and unforsaken sin. If we have sin in our lives, we know that sin is there and we don't do anything about it. If we are a believer in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit has come to live in us. He's not going to let us have unconfessed sin and just live a good uh, life without, uh, uh, without having a sense of guilt about it. The Holy Spirit is going to convict us of that sin, and we're not going to be happy. We're going to feel the, the convicting of the Holy Spirit. We're going to feel all alone in that kind of a situation, known unconfessed and unforsaken sin. To tolerate sin in our lives is to live with guilt and disharmony with God. What a way to live. Immature or misguided understanding of the nature of God. You think you know about God, but you just think you know, but you never have really gotten to know him all that well. You accepted Christ, but you never never learned that much about God. Many folks, perhaps many of us, know only fragments about God, but we think we know him intimately. Still, loneliness is part of our life. Not knowing God well leads to loneliness because we don't know sometimes just how warm he can be in our lives, just how much he wants to be a part of our lives and to relieve us from loneliness. When we become intimate with God and let him be a part of our lives all the time, he can relieve us of a lot of that loneliness that's part of our lives. Oh, how he loves us. Get to know him better. Get to know God with all the warmth that he brings. It just gets, there's an old hymn that's, that's called Sweeter As the Years Go By. Sweeter. That's what God's about. That's what he has available to us. Number 10, living on the level of emotions only. If you are an emotional person and you can't get past just emotional reacting, when you live on the level of emotions only, that tends to make us 
a lonely person indeed. Rather than rationally and willfully determining how we're going to react to a situation in life, all emotional reacting and make, will make people want to stay away from you. So not only does it emotionally make us lonely, but it also makes people want to stay away from you. And sure enough, you're lonely when all you do is give emotional reactions. So those are the 10 that I listed. But now let's go ahead and look at, does Jesus really understand our, our loneliness? Did Jesus, other than the hanging on the cross that we read about a while ago, did he understand loneliness at all? You bet he did. Would it surprise you to know that even Jesus suffered the feeling of loneliness? The Bible tells us he went through the same kind of sufferings that you and I do. Jesus knows about being lonely. He went through the same temptations we do, yet without sinning. It is not a sin, by the way, to be tempted. It's a sin to give in to the temptation. And we're told in Hebrews 2.17, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Therefore, he can provide us a pattern for dealing with life's painful moments. When Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He felt utterly and completely alone. Think with me for a moment of some of the times that Jesus felt lonely. If misery loves company, then looking at what Jesus went through should make us really love Jesus because he went through a lot of loneliness. He was misunderstood by members of his own family. Remember this in Matthew 12, 46 to 50. While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside waiting to speak to you. He replied to him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my mother and my brother and sister and mother. What he was saying was, I've started my ministry. They've known that my mother and my brothers, they have known this was coming. I am the son of God. I've started my ministry and now I have to release them. They're standing out here thinking I need to let go of, of my ministry so I can go out and talk to them. No, no, no. I have my ministry that God has put me on this earth to do and now I've got to get on with it. They don't seem to understand that. Jesus' own family didn't grasp it at the first. Jesus was lonely because he was misunderstood by members of the family. He was rejected by the people of his hometown. In Mark 6, 4, Jesus says, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town and his own home. Remember when Jesus went back to Nazareth, the people there said, hey, we know this guy. He's the carpenter's son. He grew up here. Well, so he's nothing special. He was rejected by the people that should have known him and, and loved him most. It was hard for him. People that he was so intimately familiar with rejected him. He was betrayed by one of his intimate friends, Judas, now remember, Jesus was 100% God, and he was 100% man. How can you be 100% two different things? That's God science. 
but he was, he was 100% man, so when Judas, now as 100% God, he knew Judas was going to betray him. But as 100% man, hey, Judas was my friend. We just spent three years together doing ministry, going places, teaching, loving people, and so on. And now Judas comes up and, and does this kiss thing and, and, you know, betrays me. Oh, how that must have hurt. He was so lonely because he was betrayed by his intimate friend Judas. And when he needed support, his best friends went to sleep. The ones that didn't betray him nodded off. Luke twenty-two forty-five says, When he rose from prayer, he went back to his disciples. He found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. He said, Why are you sleeping? He asked them, Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. He had been sweating as Jesus was praying there. He had been sweating great drops of blood. He was agonizing so over what was to come. And these guys went off and went to sleep. My goodness. He was so alone. He was left alone. When he was seized by wicked men, all of his friends took off. They left him. Matthew 26, 56, but this has all taken place that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. And then our text shows the most lonely feeling one can have. He was forsaken by Father and his God. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was forsaken by his Father, by God. So that brings us to a theological discussion. The third point of my message. Was God, was Jesus really forsaken by God? Did God really forsake Jesus? Or was this something that he had to kind of go through in order to accomplish the mission that he set out about? Was Jesus really forsaken by God? There is no question that Jesus was really forsaken by God. God completely abandoned Jesus when he was hanging there on the cross. His cry of agony on the cross was not some kind of dramatic show to impress the crowds. For crying out loud, Jesus had just had his back turned into hamburger meat by the whips. He had just been beat. He had this crown of thorns shoved down. He was hanging there with nails driven through his hands. He had gone through all the pain that he had gone through. Do you think he was going to do some kind of a dramatic thing? No. When he cried out to God, God, why have you forsaken me? He was yelling from his heart, oh my God, why? Why have you forsaken me? The most the most lonely experience that he could possibly happen, that he could possibly have. Isaiah 53, 4 says, He was smitten by God and afflicted. It wasn't just some kind of a show. Jesus literally experienced abandonment by the most important individual that could abandon him his Father, and his God. And not only that, 
But at that moment, while Jesus was hanging on that cross, he had the guilt of our sin piled on him at that time. Think of the most terrible guilt-producing sin you have ever committed. Think of that. And probably most of us don't want to think about that. There's something back there in our background that we think about. Maybe it was when we were a college kid or maybe it was something younger or maybe more recently. I don't know. It's none of my business. But think about that thing that every time you think about it, you just cringe. You just think, oh, did I really do that? Oh, my goodness. Think about that. Everybody's got one of those. Some, some have more than one. But think about that and then multiply it times the billions of people who have ever lived on this earth and are alive now. And then multiply that times the number that will yet live and pile all those together on Jesus right there at that cross at that one time. All that, you see, was piled on Jesus at that moment. The guilt that he felt as he took our guilt onto himself. Can you imagine how he must have felt? My God, why have you forsaken me? He took it all on himself and he was all alone. Jesus understands loneliness. He took our sin on himself. And why? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He took it all on himself. So what can we do to solve the problem of loneliness? What can we do? Before anything else, we need to recognize that we probably cannot once and for all solve the problem. It's something we'll probably have to deal with at some level for the rest of our lives, off and on. First, develop a positive faith in Jesus Christ, the one that hung on the cross and took our sin for our, for our salvation, took our sin on himself. Develop a positive faith in Christ that even in times of loneliness, he can lead us away from the temptation if we ask in faith. The word, the translation, lead us not into temptation from the Lord's Prayer. I like the translation that says, lead us away from temptation. I think that's what he's saying to us. Lead us away from temptation, Lord, so that we're not tempted to do stuff that we shouldn't do. There's a tendency to sin when you're really lonely. And you can, for yourself, you can fill in the blank of what that tendency is. For some people, the tendency when you're lonely is to get into unhealthy relationships. For some people, the tendency when you're lonely is to turn to alcohol or to turn to drugs to fill up that, that lonely hole in your life. Whatever may be, you have that tendency there to, to, do, to sin. You can fill in the blank as to what the sin would be, look like in your own life. 
but develop a positive faith in Christ that will fill that space. Second, confess unconfessed sin and stop doing them. You got that sin in your life? Confess it. God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, will convict you of that sin. He will let you know what that sin is in your life and confess it to him. Now, there are two kinds of confession. The first kind is confession unto salvation. That's where we go before God. We talk to Jesus, say, Jesus, thank you so much for saving my soul. Thank you so much for dying for me. Or rather, thank you so much for dying for me. I accept your death as payment from my sin and invite you into my life. And then thank you so much for saving my soul. And then confession unto a relationship with him. The first one is, sal- is salvation confession. The second one is relationship confession. And it's like I have a relationship with my dad and I mess it up because I did something my dad didn't want me to do. I didn't quit being his son, but I messed up the relationship. So I go to him and I say, Pop, I'm sorry for what I did. He said, okay, I forgive you. And then we just uh, uh, keep on being, having a good relationship after that. All right. Confess the sin and stop doing it. There are a lot of bitter folks who claim to know Christ, but have never taken care of a habitual sin problem. Remember, Jesus is right there to help you deal with, that, with those issues. Then, accept the human weakness in other people. So you'll not be knocked off your feet when they turn out to be less than perfect. If you think a person is perfect, you are so wrong. People are going to make mistakes. People are going to do wrong. And sometimes they're going to mistreat you. Except the fact that that's, that that's going to happen. Then get some rest. We talked about this last week. Get some rest once in a while. Practice good health habits. Eat right. Get some exercise. The Sabbath day is for rest. We've been told to take care of our bodies as the temple of the Lord. Do that. Let your body be well taken care of. And then divine, uh, define your reason for being in terms of giving instead of getting. Be a giver instead of a getter. Be somebody that likes to give and start helping others. Look for the lonely around you and see if you can lift them up in prayer in words and in actions. There are lonely people everywhere. There are lonely people in this room right now that you're feeling alone. You're feeling like nobody cares. People, look for those lonely people and see what you can, see what you can do for them. I know a lady in a neighborhood where I used to live when I was pastoring. She was a member of our church. And when somebody moved into the neighborhood she would bake them a loaf of bread and take it to their house, give them the loaf of bread, and invite them to church. Wasn't that nice? We had a number of people start coming to our church because this lady baked them a loaf of bread. I mean, something that simple. Baked them a loaf of bread, took it to them, and invited them to our church. How hard is that? Maybe you can't do a lot of stuff, but you can bake a loaf of bread and invite a new, new person in the community to church. Look for somebody that's lonely. Being new in a community, that probably means they're, they're lonely. They don't have friends there. So that's, that's one thing. It's not a big deal, but it's oh so kind. 
And it can be pretty effective. Jesus was a giver. And aren't we glad Jesus was a giver? In Hebrews 2, 12, verse 2, he said, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. He gave his very life for us, went through it all. And finally, Jesus responded to the problem of the loneliness by crying out to God. If you're going through a time of loneliness, if you're, if you're just lonely, cry out to God. God is your best friend. There are others that you might be able to go to, but, but God is your best friend. Like him, our attitude should be that we first respond to loneliness by looking to the Lord for his amazing grace. God wants us to have joy in our lives. He came that we might have abundant life now and forever through that marvelous gift of mercy that he brings to us. Mercy and grace. Grace, the unmerited favor. Grace, something we don't deserve, but he gives us anyway. Cry out to him and with joy sing Grace so amazing is with me each day. For his great love I can never repay. Grace all sufficient, though sinful I've been, he loved me so much in spite of my sin. Grace so amazing was bought by God's Son. Through his great agony, victory was won. I cannot fathom why he should love me enough to die there on dark Calvary, grace so amazing, love so divine. I'll ever praise him and joyfully serve. Grace so amazing and love so divine makes life worth living and brings joy sublime. Grace so amazing is available to the lonely and to everybody who reaches out to him. It all starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you have that warm, personal relationship with Jesus Christ that he makes available to you today? Do you know Christ? Do you know him personally? Jesus is ready and anxious to meet you at the point of your need this morning. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Have you prayed to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Do you know him? Do you know him today? If you've not prayed to receive Christ, or if you don't know whether you have or not, then you have not. Would you invite him into your life right now? Would you talk to Christ? Would you say, Jesus, I recognize that I'm lost without you. I recognize that we have all sinned. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Jesus, I recognize that the penalty for sin is death. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Jesus, I recognize that you sent, that you came to this earth to give your life for me. John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And I recognize that all I have to do is ask you to come into my life and become my Lord and master and confess my sins and you will do that that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, 
but have everlasting life. So right now, Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. I accept your death as payment for my sin and ask you to become my Lord and Master. Dear Jesus, please save me and save me now. Could you pray that prayer? Could you invite him to come into your life right now? Christian, you've strayed from Christ. You've taken him off the throne of your life and you put yourself on there. Do you need to recommit your life to Christ? Do you need to talk to him right now and say, Jesus, I'm so sorry. I have made myself estranged from you and made myself lonely by not letting you be in your proper place. Jesus, please resume control of my life. I recommit my life to you right now. Could you do that? Talk to him right now. That's where he wants to be, in his rightful place in your life. Folks, would you please stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, praying and talking to the Lord. We'll have some counselors standing here at the front. If you need to make a commitment to Christ, you need to visit with a counselor. Right now, while the music plays, I invite you to come forward. Speak to one of our counselors about the next step you need to take in your commitment to Christ whether it's to receive him as your personal savior, whether it's just to pray with a counselor about the next step you need to take in your walk with Christ. This is the time to come while we listen to the music and while we pray throughout the congregation. Dear Jesus, we thank you this morning for those who have talked to you and recommitted or committed themselves to you for the first time. And we thank you, Lord, that you are the answer to our problems of loneliness or discomfort. And we thank you for the celebration of Christmas when you came to give yourself for us. You are a wonderful God and we love you. Thank you so much. Go with us from this place and help us to be faithful to you in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll see you in two weeks when we have our Christmas service together. God bless you, and we'll see you then.